Yesterday, Jake Cansley, the Q Shaman, the one that we saw that one day that Tucker Carlson showed us footage from January 6th, that in fact he was escorted and the police even tried to open doors for Jacob Chansley. Yesterday, he tweeted out the following. This is Jacob Angeli Chansley. This is my official Twitter page and my first official statement upon my release from Federal Bureau of Prisons Custody. The time is 9.07 a.m. on the 25th of May, 2023, Freedom. And then he had a five-minute-plus uh, five message. I am going to show you the three things in the spirit of positivity that he wanted to share or that he did share in this message. Here's a condensed version of that. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it... <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Hello, United States of America and the world. My name is Jacob Angeli Chansley, and I would like to start this official statement by thanking God Almighty for protection and blessings along this arduous journey of mine. You know, I once heard that school teaches us lessons and gives us a test, but God gives us a test and teaches us lessons. And to say the least, I have most certainly learned numerous lessons during the test which God has graced me with over the last two and a half years. Now, one of the most important lessons I learned was patience. Patience is a virtue. And something that would be absolutely necessary after the two plus year ordeal that Jacob Chansley had to endure. Another important lesson I've learned along the way is the power of peace and how having an unshakable internal peace is by far the most powerful tool that we have at our immediate disposal. For you see, power, power is not about the use of external force. Instead, power is derived from having an indomitable will. And I don't really want to add on to Jacob Chansley, but this is my show, folks, and that's what you come here for. You have peace when that indomitable spirit that you have is based on what is right and what is righteous. Now, this takes a great turn in this next lesson that he learned and wants to share because it is Christ-centered. And how can you go wrong when your mission is to emulate the Prince of Peace himself? Now, another lesson I learned I'd like to share is the strength one gains when one practices forgiveness. See, forgiveness alone has the potential to clarify one's thinking, to unlock one's creativity, and to enable the individual to heal. Christ understood the power of forgiveness to free a person's soul, which I think is why he forgave those nailing him to the cross. Now, when you watch the whole thing, if I remember, folks, I'll try to put a, a link to it down below to his, uh, to his tweet. When you study the scriptures, Jesus, my understanding is that he is talking about the Roman soldiers. They had no belief 
At that time, they had no knowledge of ancient Hebrew scripture. They did not practice what the Jews practiced. They didn't have the teachings of the prophets of old and the law. And they were carrying out their duties. Jacob Chansley knows that many of the prison guards were just carrying out their duties. Now, of course, we know that many of them have been torturous and cruel. That's a different story. But I would say on a whole, Jacob Chansley was dealing with a lot of people that were in the prison system. He was a prisoner and they were just doing their jobs. I'm not equating that, for instance, to Nazi soldiers or others who have used that excuse. But Jacob Chansley is being the big man, the big Christian man in practicing and living the principle of forgiveness. So in the spirit of Christ's example, I would like to use this official statement to make it extremely clear that I have no animosity or hatred toward the United States federal government. And I have forgiven my captors and I pray for them because that is what Christ would do. Now I think would be a very fitting time to share with you the biblical principle that Jacob Chansley is referring to here. In the Beatitudes, you don't have to go far in your study of the New Testament. If you can get into the fifth chapter of the book of Matthew, verse 44, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. The final lesson I will share is the power that we each wield when we live by and speak the truth. The truth of global corruption is simply becoming more obvious. Therefore, I encourage all those who are watching this video and hearing these words to use the truth as a tool to shape themselves and the world into a paradise that we can pass on to our children. Now, as a father of four, I can appreciate this. Three of my four children, in fact, are in this business, if you will, of news. Junior and Juniorette, still on YouTube on their channel, Nothing But The News with Juniorette, in which they don't comment on the news, but they report truth. And then I have my youngest son, Junior Number Two, who is the editor of this program. But aside from that, the important thing is that I teach my children truth, the importance of truth, standing up for the truth, because that's what my parents did for me. And that is one of the biggest driving factors of what, of why I do what I do. I want my children to live in, in, in this uh, world that they have to live in until the Lord comes again. And we must fight for what's right and righteousness and truth. And I want them to have a semblance of the America that I was so blessed to grow up in. So in summation, the pressures brought about my, by my journey and my ordeal have only strengthened my resolve and taught me the power that we all possess when we practice patience and forgiveness and when we find internal peace and live by the truth so that we may speak the truth without fear. Therefore, the next part of my journey 
entails using the power of patience and peace to spread the truth and to do so in the spirit of a Christ-like forgiveness. In closing, Gandhi once said, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. So it seems I've already undergone the first three stages of this process. Now, all there is left to do is win. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Yes, folks, we must win. All right, now, let's get into the news. And let's talk about winning and what Ron DeSantis is willing to do to win and what Fox News is willing to do to help him win because they know that what the Republicans really want is for President Trump to be back in office like he should have been in 2020 before they robbed him and us. So here is the news that we have now. Fox News owner Rupert Murdoch hosted Governor Ron DeSantis at his California ranch in Bel Air in 2020. He told them Fox News would support his potential run for president in 2024. Since then, Murdoch and Fox Corporation fired its top host, Tucker Carlson, who was a favorite of the Trump MAGA crowd. Fox News has since implemented a soft ban on President Trump. The only time that President Trump has really been back on was when he was with on Tucker Carlson's show on Fox. The news channel is suffering from from this news direction, Fox News has lost nearly half of its audience since firing Tucker Carlson. News reported on this meeting, and for the record, news was owned by Murdoch's News Corp until 2021. According to Vanity Fair, the conservative news mogul invited the Florida governor to his vineyard in Bel Air, California, for dinner in 2020 and assured him that Fox would support his potential presidential run in 2024. Earlier this year, signs of this sentiment became more apparent as Fox implemented a soft ban on Trump and began featuring DeSantis more frequently. Additionally, during this time, the Dominion lawsuit loomed over the News Corporation, prompting it to distance itself from the election controversy and thus steer clear of Trump. Murdoch even expressed regret, stating that he would have preferred his anchors to be more assertive in denouncing Trump's election conspiracies that defined his campaigns. He was also quoted saying, I would have liked us to be stronger in denouncing it in hindsight per The Independent. Now, folks, if you're new around here, uh, welcome to the BCP podcast. I am BCP, my name is James, and I am squarely in on the Trump train. And if for some odd reason in many states or my state, I don't think it'll happen in my state of Utah, but who knows? Actually, who even knows if I'll still be a resident of Utah come next year when I vote? Texas and Florida were on my radar, pretty much have narrowed it down to Texas. But who knows what can happen in the interim. Even if they try to connive and keep President Trump off of the ballot, as long as President Trump is alive, I will write him in, as will millions of others, forcing them to have to just not discount my vote 
and hopefully actually count my vote and physically have to look at my signature on there. Uh, my, my, excuse me, Ryan writing in President Trump and we can get what we should have gotten back in 2020. I am optimistic, though very cautiously optimistic, that we can get President Trump back in the Oval Office and that they won't get away with the shenanigans they did in 2020. Now, of course, they robbed my Arizonans in 2022 and nothing has come of it yet. So, like I said, my optimism, unfortunately, is tempered with realism. And so far, the reality is they, of course, are going to try to steal the election of 2024. And because they've been successful and unthwarted uh, previously, I am guessing that they just might be successful yet again. Now, I want to turn really quick to this interview that Governor Ron DeSantis had with Eric Bowling on Newsmax. Now, I told you that I have very limited coverage of Ron DeSantis just because this we're a Trump channel, folks. I'm just, some of you are not going to like that. I'm on the Trump train. But I will report on Ron DeSantis when the news is newsworthy for us MAGA folk. And this is uh, newsworthy because Governor Ron DeSantis was asked by Eric Bowling last night on Newsmax, the day after announcing that he'd be running for president in 2024, whether he would be Donald Trump's vice president. This is what happened. And I'm not backing down one inch from that. I think our voters want to see somebody that can fight, but also somebody that can win. So I, you moved it along a little bit. I was going to ask you whether, I, last time you were on, I asked you, would you consider being Donald Trump's vice president if he tapped you? Or if you end up with the nomination, would you consider Donald Trump? I think a lot of conservatives, you know, we kind of laugh when you hear it, but a lot of conservatives believe that a Trump-DeSantis or DeSantis-Trump ticket is unbeatable. Real quick thought on that, and then we'll go into some, some of the, the other stuff. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think that some of the things he's been attacking me on, I've been a little surprised at because he's attacking me from the left. And that really wasn't the Donald Trump from 2015 and 2016. I mean, he was a hard charger leaning in uh, on all the issues, very edgy on conservative issues. And it was part of the reason he did so well. Uh, but when he's taken Disney's side against me, I just kind of wonder, like, OK, I get he wants to hit me, but don't take the side of a multinational corporation that wants to sexualize kids. He's also hitting me against voting against immigration amnesty. There was the Good Lat 2 bill in 2018, and he said that that was akin to voting against the wall. But that was a two million person amnesty for illegal aliens, very little money for any border security. All conservatives opposed it. He did support it as president, uh, which a lot of us were upset about. But to hit me for being taking the America first position, I just think is a little, little strange. So I'm not sure what his strategy is, but I think he's taking positions that are a little bit different than, uh, than four or five years ago. Ron DeSantis, if anything, gives people food for thought. What are your thoughts? Put it down below. It seems to me a bit of a mischaracterization that Trump is taking the side of Disney. From what I've seen, he's just pointed out that Ron DeSantis hasn't had the decisive victories over Disney that he has claimed, that Ron DeSantis has claimed to have had. All right, so pretty much dodging the question there, making him, once again, uh, I guess a good politician, not answering the question straightforward whether he would entertain the thought of a DeSantis-Trump or Trump-DeSantis ticket. Now, 
we're seeing here that uh, DeSantis also kicked off his uh, campaign by going on Fox News on Wednesday night. And that initial ratings uh, were underwhelming. 300,000 listeners for Twitter and 1.9 million viewers for Fox. In comparison, Trump drew 3.3 million viewers for his CNN town hall earlier this month. And over four times the number of viewers in the key demographic, 25 to 54, than DeSantis did. So uh, this has to do with the Fox interview that DeSantis had with Representative Trey Gowdy. Uh, We had this tweet from Megyn Kelly. Don't be fooled by the headline about Fox crushing Twitter spaces. The news event here is that even with DeSantis on the night of his announcement, the 8 p.m. on Fox News failed to break 200,000 in the 25 to 54-year-old demographic. Just awful numbers. And um, obviously CNN did really, really well with having President Trump on their town hall. As a matter of fact, there's a very interesting uh, <laughs> article here by Mike Lachance. Folks at CNN and MSNBC love to clean up, complain about Trump, but it's clear that they cannot live without him. A recent analysis of both networks found that they had mentioned Trump's name 399 times in just 10 hours. These networks may oppose Trump politically, but when it comes to ratings, they need him and absolutely love to talk about him. It's clear that they can't even help themselves. That is so, so interesting. Bill D'Agostino, today on CNN and MSNBC, Donald Trump was mentioned by name almost 400 times between 6 a.m. and 4 p.m. Obsessed is an understatement. This is what one hour of CNN looks like. Here, let's just get a little taste of this. Hello and welcome to Inside Politics. Let's start with Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Now, of course, Donald Trump. 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 Donald Trump. Trump appointed. Donald Trump. Trump. Well, that's interesting because Trump. 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 President Trump. Donald Trump. 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 Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Trump has been president. President Trump. Caitlin, where are we right now in this sentencing proceeding? Donald Trump. 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 We have a Donald Trump. Donald Trump. When it comes to Donald Trump. 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 And. Trump. Donald Trump. Missing from that is Donald Trump. You know, Trump, Trump, focus on Donald Trump, 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 Trumpism, Trump, a lot of Trumps. Fascinating. Fascinating indeed. All right, folks, for those of you watching this on the Rumble Edit, appreciate you being here. Uh, The rest of this episode will be exclusive for our BCP Unfiltered subscribers and supporters. If you want to watch the entire show and you're on Rumble, just go ahead and hit that uh, join button that's uh, down below actually and uh, it'll take you over to the real bcp.com our locals community where you can tap into uh, into the entire show for those on patreon bcb podcast and locals let's continue on with more news A judge has sentenced the founder of the Oath Keepers to 18 years in prison for his part in the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol. Stuart Rhodes will now go to prison on the charges of seditious conspiracy and other crimes related to the attack. The 18-year sentence is the longest sentence in a January 6th case so far. In a statement asking for leniency, Rhodes called himself a political prisoner. But the judge told Rhodes he presents an ongoing threat and a peril to this country and to democracy. All right. Maddening, frustrating, but of course not surprising news. Stuart Rhodes 
given a harshest, the harshest sentence yet for the January 6th protest, even though he did not enter the Capitol building, which was supposedly an act of sedition to stop the peaceful transfer of power to a fake president who stole the election. They weren't armed. No one was, it wasn't an, an, an armed resurrection. It wasn't an army. It was a protest of which Stuart Rhodes did not even enter the Capitol, yet he's getting the harshest sentence. Let's get into this news. And also we're going to look at a surprisingly quote-unquote MAGA conservative that said some very shocking and surprising things to many in regards to Stuart Rhodes, his Oath Keepers brothers, and this sentencing. And I'm talking about Matt Gates. But let's get into the news and analyze it. A federal judge has sentenced Stuart Rhodes, founder of the right-wing extremist group The Oath Keepers, to serve 18 years in prison following his conviction on seditious conspiracy charges for his role in the January 6th attack on the Capitol. This is the longest prison term assigned to a figure involved in that day. Here's what Rhodes' attorneys have to say about his sentencing. <laughs> I think that's a huge question. Um, look, in terms of leader of January 6th, there were 10,000 plus people on the Hill that day. And it was uncontroverted evidence that Mr. Rhodes with uh, the co-conspirator indicted now, Kelly Sorrell, they weren't even on the Hill when this entire situation started. I, I, I don't think it's up to me to point the finger and place blame on ultimately any given individual. I know that there is a large swath of society that intends to and will be pointing blame to the very top of what was the American society at the time. And I'll leave it to them to do that. We don't have a dog in that fight. Our dog in the fight was Mr. Rhodes. Of course, Mr. Rhodes' attorneys referring to President Trump in that statement, though not naming him. If there were a leader of the seditious conspiracy, it wouldn't be the Oath Keepers. As the attorney, of course, said right then and there, and we've known this and I've reported this, Stuart Rhodes wasn't even there on that day. Isn't that interesting? President Trump was. But of course, this whole thing is to set up President Trump to thwart him next year. They can't beat him at the ballot. They stole the election in 2020. I have a feeling they don't want to try that again like they did in 2020, even though they've gotten away with it and they continue to get away with it in small like they did at in the governor uh, gubernatorial race uh, last year, just a few months ago. Last year makes it sound like it was a long time ago. We're talking, what, six months ago, seven months ago? Stealing the election in Arizona from the people and giving them George Soros, Katie Hobbs. So this is all really leading to a setup for President Trump to keep President Trump off of the ballot. They're going to try to, I think, use a misinterpretation of the 14th Amendment. If they can get, or, and they have gotten, Stuart Rhodes on seditious conspiracy, they can say that he was following the dog whistle of President Trump, that he was following what the big seditious actor Donald Trump was saying, and therefore they're going to try to use the 14th Amendment to keep President Trump off of the ballot, which of course is ridiculous because the Constitution is very clear about who can run for president. Age and of course citizenship status and how that's obtained and you can be president. All of this, folks, is an attempt to keep President Trump off of the ballot. That's how dangerous he is to the 
establishment to the system. And given all of these facts, why would the judge give such a harsh sentence? Let's uh, let's see what the judge had to say, what the analysis is, but I've given you the analysis already. The true analysis is they're trying to set up President Trump to not be able to even run next year in the general election based on sedition. And the Stuart Rhodes sentencing and verdict are part of that scheme, that plot of these treasonous, traitorous, skullduggery-loving loving rat bastards. Left court. Tell us what led the judge to impose an 18-year sentence. Now, this is the longest sentence in any U.S. Capitol riot prosecution. 18 years will keep Stuart Rose in prison up to the 2040s. By orders of magnitude, this was the most serious January 6th case to get to sentencing, and it felt that way in the courtroom, an absolutely withering hour transpired as the judge heard Stuart Rhodes's argument and then delivered that sentence. What Judge Amit Mehta said when he issued the 18-year sentence is that he believes Stuart Rhodes remains a threat to American democracy, a person who puts the well-being of America in peril and says if not for Stuart Rhodes, any number of the accused oath keepers would never have come to Washington, D.C. January 6th. He said Stuart Rhodes was, in fact, somebody who galvanized some of the violence that day and is responsible for so much of what happened that day. And that's what always has separated this case. Stuart Rhodes was not just accused of being here in Washington January 6th and trying to oppose the transfer of power. He was charged with and convicted of seditiously conspiring to block the transfer of power, of being a plotter and a planner. And that's how they're going to try to go after President Trump, saying that even though he did not even go to the Capitol, I mean, Stuart Rhodes did not enter the Capitol building, he was outside leading it, that's where they're going to now jump on that over and extend that over to President Trump, who did not go to the Capitol, definitely did not go in the Capitol, but that he was the planner and plotter of this seditious act. Of course, this is all a distraction from the fact that the election is stolen in the first place and President Trump should be the rightful person sitting in the Oval Office today. Now, obviously, these are political prisoners. And Mr. Rhodes himself knows that, in fact, he is a political prisoner and said as much. But Rhodes did not go quietly, making highly charged comments to the judge and calling himself a political prisoner and accusing Antifa and the radical left of targeting Trump supporters. Stuart Rhodes tried to ask for leniency today, tried to make an argument, but much of it was a politically charged invective against the Biden administration about what Stuart Rhodes characterizes the radical left and a defense of his actions, his group, and a remorseless statement that did not land with the judge. Mm. Well, Judge Mehta wanted to make abundantly clear that Stuart Rhodes is not a political prisoner and he's there because of his actions, um, as well as, you know, making the point that Stuart Rhodes has wanted this for a long time, is, has talked about uh, violent action against the government for a very long time and has been involved in these anti-government uh, incidents going back, you know, for more than a decade to the early Obama era. So he's really this character that is, as we've seen throughout, showing up at these moments of um, uh, political fragility uh, throughout uh, modern American history. 
country, essentially, and was there on January 6th. In other words, the illegitimate regime, the establishment, those who were for selections, not elections, are nullifying free speech. Literally in court, they said a man who has not been happy with the government since Obama is a seditious actor and needs to be in prison and he's dangerous. Remember, folks, a couple things, just in case you haven't been following this case. I don't want to make any assumptions. First of all, the Oath Keepers are a group of individuals from law enforcement and the military who want to keep their oath, which is to uphold the Constitution from enemies, foreign and domestic. Okay, so these are not traitors. These are people who want to uphold the Constitution. And the entire idea behind the Oath Keepers on that day was to protest and to have security. But first and foremost, even if it's just to protest, that is our God-given and our constitutionally secured and protected right. And Stuart Rhodes is going to prison for it. Of course, there'll be appeals for what his attorneys have said, but I'm not holding those uh, appeals will be fruitful. And as we're talking about appeals, it's not just we right-wingers that believe this whole case was thinly uh, prosecuted. Even more left-leaning, left-of-center folks like those at the Hill can see how thinly veiled how thin this entire prosecution against Stuart Rhodes was and is. This is a year and a half now cap ended into this with an 18-year sentence, and there will be appellate issues. So it sounds like they're going to appeal. I, for one, was pretty surprised at just how heavy the sentence was, especially considering Rhodes never actually entered the Capitol that day. I guess they're claiming that he had pre-planned some kind of event with the Oath Keepers, but... Just based on what I'm reading, the evidence seems a little thin. For the record, just in case it's not clear where I stand, Stuart Rhodes, the January 6th protesters, the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, and everybody else that has had to deal with the absolute tyranny of the federal government over their protesting of January 6th are, in fact, political prisoners. Before we get back to that, let me, um, I was absolutely surprised when I heard this. Now, a reminder, Representative Matt Gates went to the D.C. Gulag with Marjorie Taylor Greene and former Representative Louis Gohmert of Texas back in July of 2021. Um, and Matt Gates told Steve Bannon in reference to the highly controversial and suspect January 6th proceedings, we're ashamed of nothing in regards to the arguments Republicans made uh, in reference to the sham January 6th proceedings. So Matt Gates has been pretty MAGA and pretty bold as far as legislators on the Hill are about January 6th and what's going on there. So it's very surprising about what Matt Gates said in a Twitter space gathering, this Twitter space gathering, the question was Trump versus DeSantis, who will win with Representative Matt Gates? And this is what he had to say about the sentencing of 
Stuart Rhodes and the whole entire story we're now talking about and analyzing here with the Oath Keepers and their protests on January 6th. Very shocking indeed, I got to admit. Stood before a jury. They uh, had every constitutional privilege afforded our defendants. They were found to be guilty of seditious conspiracy. And if they were trying to literally overthrow the government, one, they're idiots. Two, they had no chance. And three, they probably deserve some punishment. Uh, I thought that the sentences would be less than they were. So I was a bit surprised by their duration, but I, I wasn't particularly aggrieved by them. That's a good response. Nick, did you want to go? Charles. That's a horrible response, especially from a quote unquote MAGA representative. Folks, you, we can't trust anybody in D.C. Even when they're on our side, they flip flop and there's pressures and what have you behind it. I, I absolutely hate D.C. And I, I really don't even have plans to go in, uh, anywhere near D.C. for the rest of my life. I, I, I aspire to no political position that would put me in D.C. And it just seems like just a swampy, disgusting, deviant, demonic, devilish, Luciferian, satanic place. Do you guys want to know how I really feel about D.C.? Uh, not a laughing matter. There's so... Uh, okay. This is what he said about Stuart Rhodes. He stood before a jury. He had every constitutional privilege afforded defendants. He had every constitutional privilege afforded defendants. It was a kangaroo trial in D.C. where the whole thing was against him. He did not have his constitutionally privileged jury of his peers. That's for sure. He, uh, Matt Gates goes on to say they found him guilty of seditious conspiracy. And if they were trying to seriously overthrow the government, he breaks down the following. They weren't seriously trying to overthrow the government, Matt Gates. You know this. The election was stolen. They were protesting it and wanted the Congress not to certify an election. They weren't going in trying to kill Congress. They weren't trying to overthrow the government. They didn't want the, the government overthrown by a fake, false, and rigged election. They didn't want it certified. They didn't want fraud certified. That's not overthrowing the government. That's upholding how the government is supposed to work. Damn it, Matt Gates, you have unleashed my fury with your words. Because look, folks, it's not just one or two things that Matt Gates said. He's absolutely wrong in everything he just said in the clip I just played for you. They're idiots? Oh, so now it's idiotic to exercise our God-given and constitutionally protected right of protest and mass? They had no chance? Oh, so if we have no chance, then we do nothing? You had no chance of stopping McCarthy from becoming Speaker of the House, yet you protested it back on January 6th of this year. Or was that 5th or 6th of this year? Wow. And they probably deserve some punishment. When I heard that, I was like, they deserve no punishment. Now, those who maybe broke out windows and did a couple things, yeah, they should get little slaps on the wrist compared to 18 years. Or they should be 
uh, fined and sent on their way, which would still is a harsher sentence than almost every Antifa and BLM domestic terrorist has received. The only right thing that he said was, I thought that the sentences would be less than they were, so I was a bit surprised by the duration. Yeah, we all knew that Stuart Rose was going to lose. He's a political prisoner in a political kangaroo court in D.C. But then he puts the stabbing in the back, the stake through the heart, when he says, but I wasn't particularly aggrieved by them. Yeah, the duration was too, was too harsh, but I wasn't really bothered by it. Absolutely disgusting things said by Matt Gates. I am absolutely surprised. Now, at the, at the time of my recording this, I don't see that Matt Gates has clarified or addressed these statements. Let's play it again. You got to hear this from Matt Gates's voice himself. Stood before a jury. They uh, had every constitutional privilege afforded our defendants. They were found to be guilty of seditious conspiracy. And if they were trying to literally overthrow the government, one, they're idiots. Two, they had no chance. And three, they probably deserve some punishment. Uh, I thought that the sentences would be less than they were. So I was a bit surprised by their duration, but I, I wasn't particularly aggrieved by them. Part of my French folks, but you, we can't trust any a-hole in D.C. They're all rat bastards, it seems like. Even someone who I'm a fan of, like Matt Gates, saying this disgusting thing. And he doubles down. He's not aggrieved by it. They were idiots. Essentially, it was a little harsh, but they deserve what they got. That sounds like some crazy backstabbery from someone who's pretty MAGA, if you ask me. And this is why I want even more for President Trump to return in 2024. Hoping and praying that not only does he get in, but that he immediately makes right this wrong. And I'm not the only one who hopes this. Other people who have, I don't know, 18 years on the line are hoping for the same thing. Namely, Stuart Rhodes and other January 6th political prisoners. Rhodes did not go quietly into the night. He was using this moment uh, as much as he could to uh, sort of spread additional propaganda, I suppose. Um, and actually, even during his uh, during his sentencing uh, hearing here, uh, gave an endorsement to the former president, to Donald Trump, saying that he hopes uh, Donald Trump wins in 2024 and saying that that's what he meant uh, when he talked about quote-unquote, regime change in a comment that he made uh, when he called into a group of individuals who are stationed outside of uh, the uh, outside of the jail that holds some January 6th defendants earlier this week. When he talked about regime change, he said he was talking about the fact that he hopes Donald Trump wins in 2024. And of course, Donald Trump has said that he would pardon uh, some, if not all, of the January 6th defendants, that he's going to be looking very closely at those cases. So obviously a lot of January 6th defendants are sort of hitching their wagon to Trump 24 going forward. Yeah, I'm sure they're not just hitching it going forward, but like me, they've been on the Trump train for a long time. I just hope that when President Trump gets in, I'm being positive right now, that he immediately does what he said he is going to do with the January 6ers, and that President Trump doesn't d disappoint us a la... Uh, she, you would be in jail comment that he made to Hillary Clinton as she currently walks free as a bird. And we all know the myriad, the plethora, the legions of crimes that Hillary Clinton and her deviant pedophile sick ass 
husband are guilty of. Thanks for being here, folks. Have a great weekend. I'm drinking from this mug with my mug on it. And you can also get it down below. Thanks for supporting this channel as a paid subscriber and supporter. And why don't you pick up some merch down below as well. Let people know where you get your news and analysis from and also support our work. Have a great weekend. Ciao, goodbye. God bless. Gotta give us what we want. Uh. Gotta give us what we need. Hey. <laughs> our freedom of speech is freedom of death. We got to fight the powers that be. Fight the power.